Hello and welcome to another episode of Quartz Talks where I talk about every and anything of interest to me, usually related to topics related to the state, self, race, gender, academia, cultural, political, economic, social, technological, legal, environmental, anything you could think of, I'll probably do a an episode on it. And um today's actually quite a touching episode is something that I've been mulling over for a while, have struggled to find the words for, but think I finally do have some language to at least attempt to speak about, and that is the topic of medical racism, as we have seen in the British context, but also worldwide from, as I think I've mentioned before, over-representations of maternal deaths for black women to lack of research into conditions that predominantly affect the black community, um, poor diagnosis, poor health outcomes, that that relates to so many different topics of um, interest here. And without trying to, to get too much in a rigmarole, I'm just going to attempt to unpack as to where this episode came from. And it came from um, the announcement of an inquest into the death of a young man called Evan Nathan Smith, who passed away in 2019 after being admitted to North Middlesex Hospital for a routine operation and experiencing some difficulties related to his sickle cell anemia. Now, this topic touched me in particular because Evan Nathan Smith is actually someone I went to school with in primary school. Um, I was new to his school um, and it was a Catholic school. It was in the area that I live in and I believe from my memory he was the only other Ghanaian in my class and we, I, I, I never knew what happened to him like in terms of we didn't stay in contact. He was an interesting guy. Um, and someone who definitely was going on to achieve something significant in his life. So when I saw the image of him and I immediately recognised him, I felt sick because I knew that, unfortunately, with the way the media works, whenever you see an image of a black person, it's almost always negative. And when I clicked it, I just started crying almost immediately because he died two years ago in 2019. and I like most people in the class I was in, didn't know, because everyone had lost touch, you know, like, we we don't really stay, I, I was completely new to social media a couple of years ago, but only really kept in contact with people from my secondary school, I don't really want to like, go into that topic, the point was, is that hearing him having suffered from this disease, anemia, which I didn't even know at the time, was harrowing, and to hear his manner of death was even more was more harrowing. The word I'm using, harrowing, is not even sufficient to conceptualise the gravity of what I felt when I saw his image and I read the man of his death and I said to myself, this is horrifying. And I don't even want to go over the details, but I know I have to for this episode because it's important. And from what I read, he had a routine gallbladder operation and um, experienced some difficulties afterwards was admitted to North Middlesex Hospital, which is, personally, from what I've heard, a horrific hospital in general. Just horrific in terms of healthcare and 
that's another topic. Point being, he requested oxygen at one point from the nurses. And they declined him. And hearing that, again, whether that's the law student in me or the um, just the, the, the human in me, I just thought to myself, this is the craziest thing I've ever read, that someone can be denied oxygen in the hospital. And then to hear later on that from his hospital bed, he called 999 from his hospital bed inside the hospital because no one would give him oxygen and he knew he needed it. It's hard to even fathom that level of pain that he must have been in. It's like calling for God inside a church, you know? This is where you're supposed to get the help you need and they're declining you. Then to hear that by the time he did get his blood transfusion and oxygen, his body was already shutting down and he later passed away. Reading the case and finding out that when he was admitted, there should have immediately been um, some kind of contact with the haematology team. A consultant there had worked with Evan before, knew Evan should have been alerted to his presence, wasn't alerted to his presence until two days after his admission. And then I think by the third day, he'd already passed away. This is the, these, these failings, it's not just making me sick. It, 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 it's horrifying. It's like incalculable. How could someone could say no to somebody lacking oxygen? It brings back, unfortunately, reflections of what you see in terms of black men and state violence but that's so prominent and visual you kind of can see and understand it whether it's the man with the knee on George Floyd's neck or the guys with, with their arms around Eric Garner's throat you understand the significance of an obstruction of breath there but you would never expect that in a hospital hospital environment and this is why we say I don't want to say that the racism in Britain is so subtle because it's not subtle Denying someone oxygen is not subtle. It says, obviously, um, it's obviously criminal, or at least civil, as it gets. Blatant. But to know that you did all the right things and to still end up passing away is exactly why... I guess the theme of respectability as a black person just goes out the window for me, you know, knowing that you can do everything perfectly and still someone might fail you. Then that brings me to the topic of things like advocacy. Knowing that his parents took the route of getting a solicitor and an inquest into his death because he was the only child to them so to lose him I imagine was a hugely significant event in their lives and for that to then be the verdict two years later in the midst of a pandemic where black people are dying left right and centre and state violence is still a thing or whatever that the hospital failed in their care for him is like the most 
scary revelation there is. Because it denies every element of due process that we talk about when people have a difficulty at school, at work, at home, in the body, in the mind. We tell people consult, care. And then when they consult the care, the care doesn't give them an adequate standard to the point where that failing can often lead them to being dead. And to me, that makes no sense. And I think the the hardest thing to process is probably the amount of pain that he was in. It's not something I don't don't even want to imagine. But seeing his parents talk about him, and his dad even explaining that Evan was so intelligent to call 999, that level of foresight, is a testament to how, firstly, he knew the gravity of his disease, he knew himself, so essentially he wasn't going to be, I don't want to use that word, gaslighted, but yeah, lied to about his disease, that you don't need oxygen, basically. He knew he needed it. That confidence to call 999, it just tells you that this is a man who knew that he was in grave danger. But to then be denied that help, we can't not talk about medical racism. We can't not talk about the fact that sickle cell sufferers have been known to be declined pain medication because people believe they're exaggerating their symptoms. Or they don't understand the extent of their disease. And North Middlesex Hospital is in Edmonton, which serves a huge Afro-Caribbean population. So why on earth are they not specialists? in their care for such a disease that's so common in the population. From an article I just read on Black Ballad about a girl who was talking about suffering from sickle cell and what that leads her to do when she's dating and family planning was very enlightening because it made me see it from her perspective as somebody who, sorry, I'm not sure whether she carries the trait or was the sufferer herself. I think she carries the trait. And what she was saying is that Sickle cell is the most common severe genetic disorder in the UK. One in 76 people carry the trait. Doesn't even make sense how it's not on every curriculum in terms of learning. And one of the doctors, GPs being spoken to, interviewed in this article, Sade Henry, Dr. Sade Henry, she spoke about the fact that The lack of awareness is basically leading people to not know they are carriers. So there's a stigma there. And she believes that if this were a disease that affected white people, there'd probably be more money that goes into the research for it, much like cystic fibrosis. And then we say to ourselves, the culture of silence is killing us. The, the inability to be forthcoming about firstly carrier status or the insight to even test yourself for sickle cell because people don't even know it's a disease that happens in our community. The same way we need to be conscious about sexual health, mental health, physical health. We should be aware of the diseases that run in our families. The girl who wrote this article, her name's Sarah. She amplified that 
it's a deal breaker for her. Somebody else has to carry the tray, you know, and that's a fair enough assessment to make. Or people don't even know whether they carry the tray. People aren't forthcoming about whether they carry the tray. I think that's contributing to a lot of misunderstanding about the disease and lack of attention to the disease. This disease, as harrowing as it is, doesn't have to be a death sentence, you know? There needs to be more research into it. What was once an advantageous adaptation, blood cells, red blood cells being sickle-shaped, and so people having this disease not contracting malaria was, at one point, advantageous because... Perhaps maybe malaria was the larger threat. But now malaria's got its vaccine and it's like got tablets and nets. People still have this disease and there's no benefit to it. And doctors serving Caribbean and African communities don't know how to service people who do have it. And we have organisations like the Sickle Cell Society that are campaigning and advocating that this needs to be spoken about. In the same way that black maternal deaths need to be spoken about. There are underlying conditions in our community that people either don't speak about or just don't plain know about. I didn't even know it was the most common severe genetic disease in the UK. I had no idea. And to know that it only affects black people tells you there's an overrepresentation of it in existence. And it's something we need to speak about and not be ashamed of and not be stigmatised by. We talk about dating and family planning and we talk about the fun parts of it, the, um, the love, but we're not practical in the sense of, you know... The financial compatibility, the genetic compatibility, the social compatibility. It's just two individuals. It kind of links to my previous episode about love, how we just see it as two individuals, but in a lot of understandings, it's a social and cultural bringing together of cultures. It's a financial bringing together of people, and it's a genetic bringing together of people, whether we like it or not. The young man that went missing and was eventually found dead in Notting Hill. Not Notting Hill, why did I say that? In Epping Forest, Richard Okorogay. He also had sickle cell and his mother was terrified because during coronavirus, the only time he was able to leave the house was to get his sickle cell treatment. So he was very isolated in the home. Can imagine what did that did that what that did to his mental health. And it makes me wonder for all the disabled people or all people with conditions in the UK during the pandemic. I know that a lot of the people that passed away did have disabilities. I believe it was like one in three. But this is a case of a boy that even in his mental state could not fathom living anymore. So it's not even the physical disease that killed him. It's the mental disease. So we talk about comorbidity and things like that. But we fail to assess the fact that 
these can come in so many different forms, in racialized forms, you know? I saw this video, and I 100% believe it. People were trying to say it's an excuse, but I know it's not an excuse. But by this woman said that someone did a study and they compared, I think, a black group of women with a white group of women, put them on the same diet to lose weight. And the black women lost weight at a slower rate than the white women. And the idea was that because black women are under more stress, it's harder to shift the pounds. And that makes sense because stress can affect the immune system. And you're not going to get that optimum weight loss when your hormones or your enzymes are not working at an optimum rate. It makes sense. I might I don't have to be a, a, a medical um graduate or scientist to know that these things that we laugh about even hair growth for god's sake i'm sure alopecia for many women is a huge issue but for some reason hair loss in the black community is like a condemnation it's not really something that people speak about openly. And if you do, it's just like horrifying and hide it type thing. I think back to when I had shingles like maybe a year or two ago, two years ago, ago probably. And I went to the GP. And bear in mind, I didn't know I had shingles. I just had a pain in my back and I could feel I had bumps on this localized area. And I couldn't see it. I was thinking I was even afraid to look at it. So I got my mum to look at it, because who else that my mum to look at it? And she was like, you need to go to the GP, because it doesn't look good. And I was like, oh my god, I was terrified. I go to the GP. He brings out his phone, starts scrolling. Yeah, I guess he wrote down my symptoms, or what he saw on my back. And he said, yeah, you've got shingles. And I was like, shingles? I don't know what that is. I hadn't heard of it, and then he showed me an image, and it was like, it's something that people get when the immune system is suppressed, and it's like, often related to stress and stuff, I was like, oh my god, but it's like, causing me pain, and at the time, I think I was like, two, three days done from it, so I could not, unfortunately, get any medication for it, I believe they give you, I don't even know if it's tablets or whatever, but I wasn't entitled to that, point was, it was a very tingling feeling that was basically it was it was making me struggle I could barely move that arm at times and so getting that diagnosis was helpful but in googling the image I didn't see anyone of my complexion with this condition and I imagined that even the man diagnosing me was concerned because he had to look at pictures of you know white backs and pink bumps and compare it to this black girl who's dark brown with probably darker bumps and make an assessment that this is the same condition that appears very differently and luckily it went away because uh, I was afraid you know they were saying you know it might scar and blah 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 it went away but it was very painful and to be honest I've heard other people getting it since then so I don't know maybe it was just something in the water at the time but it made me realize oh crap 
these conditions are just kind of not being spoken about or they're not being represented in black people. So people are either going undiagnosed, misdiagnosed, and just living with diseases that are basically treatable or um, survivable. But because of attitudes to healthcare, you know, we've heard about vaccine hesitation or hesitancy, whatever they're trying to claim. Meanwhile, our communities are probably more forthcoming to the vaccine than others, besides the WhatsApp misinformation. Like, we know that COVID itself is probably more likely to kill you than the vaccine, which is, for most people, the cost-benefit analysis to get the vaccine. Yes, misinformation thrives, but the idea that Black people just don't, don't know anything about um, the medical world, I think it's a bit of a fallacy. I don't think it's fair to state, but I do know where that hesitation comes from. We've heard about Henrietta Lacks, you know? We've heard about... Um, um, I completely forgot what the condition was. I mean, we've heard about castrations of Black men, for God's sake. But there was a time when a bunch of black men, I believe, in the States were like, they purposely infected them with something. Find out what that is. But uh, syphilis, yes, I think it was syphilis, yeah. So we know it's not a fallacy. We know that, that it's not this myth that was born out of nowhere. It's structural inequality because of past experiences. And even unlearning that, we still have to take extra care when we are in medical environments for god's sake do our own research because god knows that that doctor might not be able to identify that symptom in that patient because of lack of awareness of the disease because of a difference in presentation of the disease and whose fault is that like whose fault is that is it us because we live in a predominantly white country and they're not going to be able to identify these things is it them because they don't have the cross-sectional understanding of this disease in multiple different people you know the onus I, I do sometimes wonder does this happen in basically majority black countries because I would imagine that they would see certain diseases in frequency and be able to diagnose it better quicker but I guess failings in healthcare there due to lack of funds or whatever might make that unlikely but from what I've seen from people posting GoFundMe's trying to get um, treatments outside of the UK, particularly to places like Germany or Norway or basically places with either more advanced healthcare systems or um, drugs that the NHS can't provide, tells you exactly what you need to know about, I guess, um, I guess advocating for yourself in these environments, it's not easy. You're not the doctor. You don't want to say, I don't think it's this, you know. Can you really say, I don't believe it's this? I mean, you can, but they'll probably tell you it is because I'm the doctor, I'm the I'm the qualified professional. But the attitudes we are seeing in not just general medical health care, but also in mental health care, because, you know, we've got over-representations of black people being diagnosed with diseases, that are physical but mental health conditions like schizophrenia and so on and so forth and you know it comes from 
a medley of sources. It's not just this weird predisposition that people believe that black people are more inclined to madness and it's this occult type witchcraft that people like to put on this. It's more to do with like probably difficulties that they dealt with in their life has led them to develop illnesses that are some sort of coping mechanism but destructive to their normal neurotypical life, you know? It's not it's not a coincidence that ADHD is on the rise when we have apps that reward very reactive behaviour. Of course you're gonna have an attention deficit. It's 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 common knowledge. The same way if there's more air pollution, you'll have more people with breathing difficulties. It's like it's not this weird anomaly, it's cause and effect, you know. People who live in areas nearer to um maybe like uh what do they call it? Um fossil fuel stations or whatever tend to have more mutations, birth defects, like none of this stuff is coincidental. We act like it just comes out of nowhere. Even cardiovascular diseases don't appear from nowhere. You know, they are often dietary and genetic and it's something that sometimes can be modified with a change in lifestyle, sometimes needs drugs, sometimes needs both. But the lack of advocacy and information out there is definitely hampering people's rights to healthcare, adequate healthcare. You know, you pay your taxes, you deserve to see a doctor who can diagnose you correctly. But there's a problem going on somewhere. And um, I wish I could identify it. I wish I could say this is where the miscommunication is, but I can't. All I know from what I've heard is the failings of the NHS and the lack of funding and the overworked doctors. And um, it, it doesn't seem to be stopping. I think the pressure on the doctors is far too much. Perhaps there needs to be different... I think in America they already have this. Multiple um, careers within healthcare that aren't just, you know, doctors, nurses and consultants. There's more proxy uh, roles, more assistant roles that would probably help with some kind of clinical knowledge, that would definitely be advisable. But this is definitely a a huge, huge thing that not only needs speaking on, but it needs campaigning on. There needs to be change for the lives of people that have been lost because of miscommunications or misunderstandings. These are not reasons for people to die for diseases that don't kill, you know? There's an onus on the community to be more aware of these things for themselves. And I guess with organisations or um, documentaries from Rochelle Humes doing the Black Maternal Death documentaries to Sickle Cell Society speaking to newspapers like The Voice and Independent and so on and so forth, we are getting more awareness of these things but now there needs to be a response in the medical field as to how we deal with these diseases because talking is cheap we need practical solutions as to how we can solve these things I think a lot of us are stuck because it's easy to feel helpless when you kind of know you know that as a minority 
you facing any institution, you could face any kind of violence, whether that's education, work, healthcare, the street, library, public, public facilities, um, public events, just anything from the stop and search violations to people questioning your vehicle to someone following you around a shop to exclusions to poor educational outcomes at university to lack of promotion and employment y- you name it you're gonna see black people struggling with it to the household itself within it financially um emotionally you're gonna see a difficulty but these are things that are not just these very general generational curses these are practical problems that deserve solutions homelessness is not a disease that just appeared from nowhere homelessness is about a lack of adequate housing that is affordable to the masses you know an overrepresentation of a disease is not just bad luck it's misunderstanding of how this disease manifests and lack of research into treating it you know it's sad that it took a lot of people spoke about this in the in terms of the coronavirus vaccine it's sad that it took the coronavirus vaccine being developed for apparently very huge um advances in technology related to hiv to be developed but that tells you exactly what you need to know about the politics of the medical field whereby the diseases that get the most attention are often the ones that affect either the majority of the population or a demographic that is, I hate to say it, more respected in society. We talk about the category of human a lot. And I read this um, newsletter by Mackay McDermott called Gender Coloniality. And it talks about, as black women in particular, being on the fringe of what is considered human means that the kind of experiences that you deal with and the the, the obstructions in healthcare and so on and so forth are always huge. But it was also this idea that, for example, diseases like HIV, because they were so prominent in the gay community and the gay community for so long has been, you know, marginalised and disrespected, they didn't have any advances in technology that were so significant as to what we're seeing with coronavirus today like it took a much longer time basically and that's because the majority of the people that had HIV were gay men and people just didn't really care about gay men and I feel like um corona has made us all understand more what disease is how indiscriminate it can be who it can affect we have more sympathy for the average person because we don't know whether they've lost someone to COVID, but we know what this pandemic has done to us for the past year, and now we're just trying to get off of that and heal from it. But I'm, I can't. It's hard to ignore how even medicine is politicized, from the lack of availability of the vaccines to the global south to the rollout being um, stopped because of, you know. Um, Of, of of bureaucratic decisions made in the EU and in the, in the UK and the Commission. It's like, this is life or death. 
one of the things that I, um, as a member of my Oxfam Society, had to post was about the People's Vaccine Day. And it was this idea that there are so many vaccine distributors that are just refusing to give vaccines to certain countries as soon as possible or for a lower price. They're not making it widely available. A vaccine that is going to save lives should be part and parcel of everybody's medical distribution, regardless of where they are in the world. But no, here bureaucracy is still playing its part, you know? And um, it's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore even seeing the the, um, the natural disasters going on in St. Vincent and Grenadines and knowing that, you know, the Queen is the head of state in relation to that and not and knowing that this is a, a, a island that is a Commonwealth country and not getting the support they need. Not getting the support that they deserve and need, despite the fact that their head of state is Britain and this is the same country that is prideful over its Commonwealth nations. It's concerning. It's concerning in every element. And it extends far beyond what I'm just saying. And I'm hoping that advocacy, campaigning, changes in law, attitudes, more doctors of colour, particularly black ones, even though the owner shouldn't be on them, I know that they're the only ones that can really push this forward. Because... I can advocate for myself in almost every space, except medical, because I am not a doctor. I can't do surgery myself. You know, I could almost always do a um, an argument and 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 challenge any decision in public, in private, at work, at home, at school. Um, but I almost can never do that in a hospital setting, just because I don't have the medical knowledge you know, so I'm fulfilled seeing that people like Evan Smith's parents went down the legal route in terms of getting an inquest into their son's death, but I also know the lack of accessibility for solicitors for the average person, and I also know that a lot of people's view of I don't want to say view of death, but sometimes we mark something as a tragedy when it really is a matter of negligence. You know, it, it's it's a tragedy, but it's also somebody's unfortunate fault. And that fault has to be identified in order for things to change. Reading in the, the article I read that... Um, They've now set up a ward in North Middlesex Hospital that is specialised for for people with sickle cell. Is exactly the kind of response you want to hear because it shows that this is something that they will hopefully tackle with much more candour. Also hearing that they're retraining people, again, relevant. But obviously there needs to be a lot more. It's significant, but it needs to be a lot more. Whereby this is a very mainstream nationwide programming so that people understand it across the board but it goes to show you that I guess these are the things that we never considered growing up that these services don't always protect you 
you know it's 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 a myth that you're sold that school will enhance you and the work will reward you and the doctors will save you but in every system you will see black people tell you i suffered at these places and it's time to advocate it's time to build on activism it's time to donate and boost and petition and pro bono and sue i think i think what evan's parents did was so admirable in suing not in suing in getting an inquest because so many people would have just labeled it a tragedy and said okay that's it but they knew that there had to be an outcome and in their interview which is on youtube they very specifically said we don't want any other family to go through this and that level of benevolence is something that future patients at North Middlesex Hospital might not even know when they're admitted to this specialist ward because someone passed away not too long ago, you know. It's not allowing someone to pass in vain. And I just hope that the family finds peace in this event and that there can be more done for people who have conditions like these who'd advocate for themselves and still don't get the necessary treatment that they require and deserve because just like everybody else they are citizens that pay that pay that pay for help um pay through their taxes all of this stuff and also mentioning richard okorigi the boy that died in epping forest again more appropriate mental health services need to be on the, on 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 the government's conscience as a priority particularly because of the pandemic but also just in general every state function needs to understand that it has a duty to provide for its people whether that's housing work healthcare that's what a um a functioning country does and so often you'll see the media rip apart third world countries talk about how defunct and failing they are when this country has the highest coronavirus death toll rate in the world by proportion because of failures of government and the hope that they will come to account is a, is a mere hope we have Priti Patel being told that some of her policies and decisions were breaches of human rights. This woman is a, a, a secretary to the to the most powerful political unit in the country, and she's breaching human rights. Where's the accountability? Like, what is this country coming to? I hate to say it like that, but what... What is it coming to that people are just allowed to brazenly break the rules and have no punishment? Particularly people who are MPs or sworn in or whatever. Meanwhile, the average citizen could never get away with that. What are we talking about when we talk about someone who is essentially immune 
from this? Why are people questioning whether Prince Philip gets to have a larger funeral than the average person when he was just a human? You know, why do we make some people immune to certain uh, punishment? It doesn't make sense. I could dwell on it forever. But the topic of medical racism needs to be a priority in this country. That's what the that's what the overbearing theme of this episode is. And I hope that that's the takeaway that whoever's listening will understand. And I'm honestly extending my heart and thoughts to all the people that have suffered at the hands of this failing medical system. Much peace to their families, much respect to their families. I hope that it will be addressed and resolved and that these things don't happen ever by any state function. And I think with that, I'll end this episode and hopefully put some links in the info information box related to um, the cases I've spoken about for people who want more information. And I guess I look forward to making the next episode. And thank you for listening.